When I was, uh, well, senior year of high school, freshman year of college, I worked at a department store. And I, my, my job was selling men's clothing. Um, if you've never done that before, uh, I, I don't know if I'd recommend it. <laughs> but I never worked in the food industry, and I, I was always grateful for that. Anyway, I had, a, I had a job at this department store, and it was, you know, a customer service job, customer service. And, you know, I was, I was trained when a, a customer would walk in, what would I say? You know, how can I help you? Or can I, can I help you? Something like that. How may I help you? You know, and I, I was placing myself in the position of, of that person's servant, and, uh, you know, maybe you've had a customer service job uh, at, at some point. You get all sorts of people. Uh, some, are, some are very grateful when you, when you approach them and ask, can I help you? Uh, some don't want to be bothered at all. Uh, some of them are uh, very demanding. Uh, you know, others, others want to do their shopping. They're good just knowing you're there. And, uh, you know, in case they have any questions. But uh, in any case, the job called for me to be a servant. And, uh, you know, I was there to meet their needs. We had this one woman who would come in uh, very regularly, about once a month. She'd bring her sons in. She had three sons. And they would come in and try on every piece of clothing that we had, I think. She never once bought anything. And so, you know, I'd politely ask, you know, how may I help you? And they would, she, she would take advantage of that. I would help them a whole lot. But, you know, after they left, I had a, a huge mountain of clothing that I had to fold up and put away and hang up and, and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, um, you know, whether, whether they were uh, good customers who would, who would actually buy something or customers that, that were a, a challenge to, to serve, uh, I, was, I was there as their servant. You know, I, I, I could not make any uh, distinguishing be, between everybody with, with respect and dignity. Uh, you know, I don't know if I was a very good servant, but uh, I, I was there for them, and I would always ask, you know, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Now, as we uh, continue in the Gospel of Mark, we're going to finish up chapter 10 this morning. And we see Jesus asking this same question. Uh, you'll, you'll see in the text that he asks this question twice. He asks, what, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And we'll also see that he asks this even when those he served were annoying. We see Jesus revealed himself to be a servant and he was a much better servant than I ever was. You know, he put, he put their needs above his own, and he was very, very glad to do it. Well, read with me in Mark chapter 10, in your Bibles, uh, starting with verse 32, Mark 10, 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going to happen, saying, See, we are, going, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, 
And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And, he said, and they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized But to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to him, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd... Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting at his, uh, sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we we thank you for being uh, one who who loves us, one who came to to be a a servant. We're so undeserving, Lord, but uh, you, to each of us, say, "What, what would you have me do for you? So, Lord, you, you know what each of us needs. And our faith and trust is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this passage is about serving. You know, Jesus, Jesus came to serve. Uh, and and he, calls, he calls us to follow in his footsteps. He calls us to, uh, to share in his experience of suffering. And he calls for us to share in his servanthood. You know, first we let's look at Jesus, how he came to serve. You know, and speaking of his death, he's he's painting a picture of of the suffering servant. 
You know, this is one of uh, the prophet Isaiah's big themes in speaking of the Messiah was this chosen one, this anointed one who would come and, and suffer and, and, you know, take our sins upon himself. Jesus makes it very clear why he was sent. He says he came to serve and to, to give his life a ransom for many. And the Greek word that he uses is avti, which means in, in place of. He came to suffer in our place. When Jesus says he came to uh, give his life a ransom for, for many, the word ransom refers to slavery. It refers to release of slavery. Slavery. You know, we were, we were slaves of our old master, sin. And Jesus has paid the price to, to set us free. Uh, some people get hung up on, on the word many when it says that he came to give his life a, a ransom for many. Um, you know, didn't Jesus come to save all? You know, some people think that this means that Jesus came just to save a few, but not all. You know, the, the contrast is not between many and all here. It's between the one and the, and the many. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 3 to 6. You know, here, here's where we need to take the whole counsel of God. 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 6 says that... Uh, God, our Savior, desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one meteor, mediator, not meteor, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. You know, Jesus came to be our substitute to suffer and to die himself so that we don't have to. Now the same line of thought is used in Romans 5, 15 through 19, where Paul says, for if because of one man's trespass, trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man." Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act, one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by one's man, one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. You know, because of Adam's sin, Way back at the beginning, because of Adam and Eve's sin, we're all sinners. We, we inherit that. But, but you know what? We cannot blame Adam because we are all sinners. We all sin. But Adam was the first. And uh, he set us on the, the path that, that we're all on. You know, when we come into the world, you know, the, the, the contrast again here is between the one and the all. One man, one man, Adam. In all people, Adam's sin affected every one of us. But Jesus' one act of righteousness, it says, leads to justification of life for all. 
You know, salvation is made available to all. But many will be made righteous. Not all will be. You know, the, those who are made righteous are the ones who will believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. You know, those, those who don't believe won't. Salvation is available to all, but it's received by many. Eternal life is given to who, whomever believes. That's John 3.16, right? That's a verse that probably all of us here have memorized. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's, there's a hymn, I will, I will sing of my Redeemer. I love the way it says it. It says it very well. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer. With his, with his blood, he purchased me. On the cross, he sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and made me free. He purchased me. He ransomed me. He rescued me from slavery to, to sin. In the, uh, in the prophetic messianic passage of, of Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, it talks about, well, in fact, Jesus read this, this very same passage. He quoted, he read it in the, in the tabernacle or the synagogue. He is clearly sent by the Father and anointed by the Holy Spirit to, to be a servant. Jesus read this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Uh, earlier in Isaiah chapter 53, 3 to 5, it shows Jesus, it shows the Messiah as the, uh, the suffering servant. It says he was despised and rejected of all men, <clears throat> a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed. You know, God, God told his people through the prophets, like Isaiah, what was going to happen to the Messiah and right here for the third time in, in the, the gospel of Mark, Jesus is telling his disciples about this suffering that he's going to go through, about his death. He's already told them this twice. And, uh, you know, in chapter 8 it says that he, that he told them very plainly what was going to happen. He wasn't, he wasn't hiding it in any way. He, he made it very plain what he was talking about, the description of what's going to happen. You know, it was detailed. He tells them... You know, where, when, how, and by whom he was going to suffer and die. 
You know, he wasn't, he wasn't speaking in riddles or trying to hide anything from them. You know, he tells them, this is what's going to happen, guys. Rather, rather than marching into Jerusalem as a, as a triumphant soldier on a, on a white steed, a, a military hero, no, he's not going to do that. He's going to die. He's going to be persecuted. He's going to be beaten and mocked and spat upon and killed. And, uh, you know, he, he tells them this. And, and by their response, we, we see they're not listening. They're, they're not getting it. It's not registering. They, they've got their own agenda, and they're, they're just not listening. And this time, the response is from uh, James and John. When Jesus tells them what's going to happen... What are they thinking about? They're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about their own glory. You know, these disciples who, who Jesus named the, the sons of thunder respond by telling Jesus, we'd like for you to do whatever we ask you to do. Uh, you know, that seems very presumptuous to me that, that they would do that. And maybe they're thinking, well, you know, he did say ask and uh, you will receive. You know, but Jesus needs to make, he needs to clarify things. He needs to make this very clear to them. Jesus, he came to serve, but he calls us as his disciples to share in his experiences, to share in his, his suffering. You know, Jesus was pretty kind to them, I think, in, in his response. I, I would have asked him, you know, come on guys, you know, did you hear what I just said? I, I just told you that I was going to die. I was going to suffer. I was going to give up my, my whole life. You know, what, what more could you want than that? But he says to them, what can I do for you? How would you like, what would you like for me to do for you? And just offering them gently this, this servant's heart. You know, this shows really that he really did come as a servant their request, we want, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left. Um, yeah, I think Mark, Mark himself is very kind in the way he reports this. He doesn't, he doesn't tell us like Matthew did in his account that uh, you know these these two brothers, James and John, the sons of thunder, uh, actually had their mother ask them for this. You know, it reminds me of when I. My, my last my last assignment in the Air, Air Force, I was at uh, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University as an Air Force ROTC instructor, and uh, you know I would I would get phone calls from mothers. I remember one one time uh, this this one really made me laugh. Um, this this one mother called on behalf of her son, and she told me how outgoing he was, how how great his communication skills were. You know, he, he was just very articulate and, you know, just a, a born leader. You know, he takes the bull by the horns and he gets things done. And so I, you know, I had to kindly just say, well, why don't you have your son call me up? You know, we'll, we'll talk about it. I think James and John had... Uh, Great ambitions, even even if their mother was the one making this request. But I do have to laugh at that. 
Anyway, the two uh, didn't learn the lesson from the last time that this this topic came up. The last time that Jesus had brought it up, you know, what what were they taught? What how did they respond the last time when Jesus told them they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest, who is the greatest? You know, and obviously they're still thinking along the, these these same lines. You know, James and John are seeking their own glory. Uh, and Jesus says, "You guys have no idea what you're asking." You know, there's there's going to be a there's going to there's going to be a long road of of suffering that you're going to have to travel before you before you get there. You know, are you are you willing to follow me on that road? You know, are, are you willing to to drink in the sorrow that I'm going to drink? You know, are you, are you are you prepared to be immersed in the pain that I'm going to be immersed in? You know, that's that's where we're going. Remember at first in the in chapter one, Jesus when he picked the the disciples, you know, he said, "Follow me, follow me." You know, and there's a lot lot of meaning in that that request, that demand. Follow him means to go through the things that he was going to go through, and he's here giving them a a, a bigger picture, a, a fuller description of of what that means, what's entailing. Are you willing to do this? And they said. Well, he asked them that, are you willing? Are you willing to do this? And they said, yep, we sure are. And he essentially says, okay, you remember that because it's going to happen. You're going to pay the cost of discipleship. Um, remember several chapters back, Jesus Jesus told the disciples you know, to take up their cross and, and follow me, he said, and, and this they would later do. Uh, church tradition is that other than uh, John, who lived to a, a very old age, all of the other apostles were, were martyred. They were they were murdered for their their testimony. They anyway. Uh, Jesus told James and John, "You know this cup that you drink, this baptism with which I was baptized, you will drink from." you'll be baptized with, but to sit at my right hand or at my left hand, that's not mine to grant, but it's for those who, for whom it has been prepared. You know, Jesus not only calls us to share in his experience of, of suffering, but he also calls us to share in his servanthood. Part of being, part of becoming like Christ is becoming a servant, following his example, Jesus calls us to be servants. So look at look at what happens next. Uh, you know the other disciples hear about this; uh, they're indignant. Uh, why were they indignant? Maybe because they didn't think to ask for it first. I don't know. Maybe they're jealous. Maybe maybe they do recognize that's that's. Uh, pretty presumptuous uh, request to make of the Lord. I don't know. You know, after all, though, to support the jealousy thing, you know, it was Peter and James and John who went to the mount and saw Jesus transfigured. You know, they were the, they were the inner circle. You know, Jesus revealed things to, to these three that uh, the others didn't get to see. So maybe there was a sense of jealousy here, but I think 
the way it says here, uh, they, he called them all over. He called all of the apostles because this was a lesson for all of them. This was not a lesson just for James and John. Maybe James and John felt entitled because Jesus was paying special attention to them. They were part of the 12, that they were the three. Um, maybe, maybe they felt that Jesus had chosen them because they were special, because they were more worthy, because who knows what they were thinking, you know, that they were better. Maybe they felt they were the, the best qualified, the most deserving. Um, obviously, the other disciples uh, didn't agree with, with this, you know. And what's interesting is that none of them were clamoring to be servants. You know, they were, they were clamoring to be the best, the highest the most recognized, you know, they, they wanted uh, personal advancement. They wanted recognition, you know, but uh, Jesus says, you're going to be a servant. You know, being a servant goes against our grain, doesn't it? You know, maybe, maybe we feel that, you know, we're, we're okay serving some people, you know, people who deserve to be served. Maybe we feel that we're okay serving people who appreciate it. Or maybe maybe we're okay serving people who we know will pay back, you know, reciprocate. But, you know, Jesus uh, obviously didn't have that attitude. You know, he, he loved people who he knew would not love back. You know, we, um, maybe we're okay with serving our family, our, our close group of friends, but just anyone, you know, our, our competitive nature, just like James and John can sometimes get in our way, you know, being a servant, requires us to to lay these things aside. Being a servant requires us to be humble. It requires us to put other people's needs above our own. It requires us to put other people's lives before our own. That's what Jesus did. Sometimes we read an extraordinary story about somebody who is a hero in, in an act of bravery, you know, definitely puts their life before others. Remember the shooting in Las Vegas? I think this was back in uh, 2017. There was, a, there was a concert kind of out in the open and somebody in a building in the distance was just shooting, started shooting the, these people. Well, there's a guy named Dean McAuley. He was a, a firefighter from Seattle. And, um, you know, he, he found a path to safety, but he did not leave. Uh, there's an article that, that talks about this. His, his two friends followed the police away from the, uh, the gunman's view. 
One called back to him, you got to come with us. And he replies, I've got to go to work. Uh, he, he went to the country musical festival, music festival each year with friends. He, he ignored warnings that bullets were starting to fly. He got gloves from a medical tent and he helped bring two women back to the tent. He helped uh, Natalia Baca, 17, by operating, or operating a tourniquet, helping to put an IV in her arm. She had a hard time breathing, but he was calm. He told her to trust him. He said he would not let anything happen to her, and he let her use his phone to call her father, telling him that she'd be okay. After a man offered his car to take them to the hospital, he kept her calm by showing her pictures of his wife, uh, son, and, and dog. You know, just a, just a picture of somebody who was was willing to even die for, for somebody. Most of the people were, were running away. But uh, Dean put others' needs above his own. You know, even even his own safety, even his life, he put as subordinate to others. You know, Jesus talks about uh, Gentile leaders here. You know, he's he's drawing a comparison. He's he's showing a distinction between a a true godly leader and an ungodly leader. The uh, you know the Romans were uh, occupying the land, and you know their leaders, were these these great leaders of the Roman Empire, look how they are. You know, with with all their pomp, their their pageantry. You know, they they love to lord their power over other people. Jesus says, "You see anything wrong with that? You know, look at look at their great pride. Look how." Look how great they think they are. You know, don't, don't they know, though, that it's God who sets up leaders and kings and rulers? You know, Dan, Daniel 2.21 says he changes times and season. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. But Jesus says this is how they are. They're, they're puffed up with pride they they wield their their great authority they lord it over their subjects and he says to his disciples you're not going to be this way not so with you if you're going to be a leader in the kingdom of god those who are greatest are going to be least the the leaders that the leaders who God wants are those who are going to be willing to serve one another, to sacrifice for one another. Not those who demand to be served. You know, he, he says, look at me, look at me, let me be my example. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to save, to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, he, he loved us. He called us to, be, to love one another. Serving calls for love. It calls for self-sacrifice. It calls for great humility. And this was something that was lacking with, with James and John, the, the humility part. Also, the other disciples, it was lacking in them too, you know, and the the next the, the next encounter in this narrative you know mark goes right into the the next one it gives us an illustration by 
contrast. So there's this, this blind man, Bartimaeus. He's blind, he's poor, he's destitute, he's, he's sitting along the roadside as Jesus approaches. This guy calls out to Jesus and everybody tells him to be quiet, don't bother him. He says, Jesus, son of Nazareth, son of David, have mercy on me. Cried out again, son of David, have mercy on me. And, you know, the second time Jesus asked that question, what, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And I think Mark has put these, Mark has put these stories together like this for, for a reason. He's, he's showing us that James and John on this hand had a request for Jesus. Bartimaeus had a request for Jesus. They're both answered the same way. Jesus asks them, yes, what, what can I do for you? They both ask Jesus to meet a need. Uh, the difference, though, is that uh, James and John's need was based on self-indulgence, self-exaltation. Bartimaeus's need was for sight. Uh, the fact is James and John needed help with their spiritual sight. Their spiritual blindness. You know, Jesus answers accordingly, you know, giving spiritual sight to his disciples. He gives physical sight to Bartimaeus, who then becomes a follower of Jesus. You know, in in his desperate need, he called out for mercy from the only one who could give it for his sight to be restored. So, you know, last time we, we talked about how Jesus said that uh, if anyone was to come to him, this person should come as a child, empty-handed, with nothing to, nothing to give, really. And that's, that's exactly what we see here with this, this blind man, Bartimaeus. You know, he's not, he's not coming on the basis of his, his wealth, his status, he, you know, he didn't have any uh, credentials that would say he deserves anything. He didn't have any money. He just came in humility. You know, he, he came to Jesus with, with empty, open hands, asking for mercy, just asking for mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. That's what he asked for, and that's what he was given. Jesus showed himself to be a servant to this this blind man, Bartimaeus. And Jesus called his disciples to look at him, the, the suffering servant. He came as a servant, calls his disciples to be like him, follow his examples, to be example, to be servants. So I, I love this, and it's very significant that Jesus asked the same question, the same question. What would you like for me to do to you, for you, when he's approached? And, you know, he knows what each person needs. He also knows what each person doesn't need. 
you know, being, being a servant does not necessarily mean giving people what they ask for. It's giving them what they need. And Jesus shows this with, with James and John. You know, they, they ask for personal glory, but he gives them spiritual sight. He gives them instruction on, on humility. He gives them instruction on, on being servants. Bartimaeus asks for, uh, for sight to be cured of his blindness. And Jesus heals them, him. So, you know, no matter what our situation, Jesus knows what we need. Um, you know, it's pretty amazing that the king of kings, the creator of the universe, knows what we need, that he cares for us. He cares what we need, for what we need. You know, he came to serve. He came to suffer and die to be a ransom for those who would believe in him. You know, he came to pay the, the penalty of sin for the world. And why did he do this? He came because of God's great love for us. God's great love for us. He, he welcomes those into his family who believe in him, who turn from their old way. It's called repentance and believe in him. Gives them eternal life. Jesus came as a servant to pay the ultimate price for us. And as his followers, he expects us to be servants. He commands us to love one another. You know, he asks those who follow him to to share in his suffering, to, to share in his mission, which is to seek and save that which was lost. You know, that's that's our mission now. You know, the, the person who's greatest in his kingdom will be servant of all, he says. Let's pray. Um, God, we, we thank you for your your great love, the, the love that you poured out on us in sending Jesus to die for us, to save us from, from our bondage to, to sin and death. Lord, so that whoever believes in Jesus would not perish but have eternal life. And uh, Lord, we acknowledge we don't we don't deserve your love, but yet, Jesus, you died for us out of love. We thank you for laying your life down for us. And Lord, we uh, we just pray, Lord, that we would be moved by your word that our desires would align with, with yours, Lord, that your word would, would deeply penetrate our hearts and, and our minds. Lord, let us be true servants to be Christ-like in how we deal with others. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.